0: You are listening to the SCC Cast, weekly teaching and preaching from Springview Community Church. Find us on the web at www.springviewcc.org. We are located at 12881 Andersonville Road in Davisburg, Michigan. We welcome you to come as you are to experience a friendly worship setting with biblical preaching, teaching, and application. Now, here's our guest speaker. If you read the first chapter of the Bible, you will learn a very fundamental principle of life. There is a phrase that's repeated multiple times and it's the phrase according To its kind. God creates this, and they reproduce according to their kind. What does that mean? That means that the fundamental concept of what something is is born out by what it does. It's not a trick question. If I showed you an apple tree, that's what it is. What does an apple tree produce? Well, you are an above-average group. (laughs) Why does it produce apples? Because that's what it is. We have God creating fish, That's what they are. What do fish reproduce? Why do they reproduce fish? Because that's who they are. God created mankind in his own image. And he said that mankind would reproduce according to their kind. So let's suppose, by the way, how you know what something or who somebody is is by seeing what they do. So let's say a person is honest. What do honest people do? Tell the truth. truth. How do you recognize an honest person? when you see a pattern of them speaking the truth. What does a humble person do? Puts others first. You know a person is humble if, over time, you watch what they do. Well, Genesis chapter 3. How do you know an obedient person? What does an obedient person do? Demonstrates obedience. What do we see in Genesis chapter 3? What did Adam and Eve do? They disobeyed. How do you know if a person is disobedient? Well, you watch what they do, right? It is a fundamental principle of life. Now, the perplexing and the discouraging thing is, how often does a person have to Lie before we say, you're a dishonest person. How many times did Adam and Eve have to disobey before they were deemed disobedient? Skill-testing question you can indicate with fingers from one hand. How many times? Yeah. Now, because of that, what we try to do is we try to use a relative scale. Well, I, I, don't, I don't tell a lot of lies, and, and the majority of the time I try to be humble, and so we'll try to make ourselves feel a little better, right, by using a relative scale. God doesn't use that scale. So Adam and Eve then, being self-centered people, Reproduced according to their kind. So what were their children like? Self-centered. And eventually, who we are is going to be reflected in what we do. Genesis chapter 4, what do we see? Well, Cain had a little envy of his brother you're astute enough to realize that Cain's problem wasn't his brother. Cain's problem was himself. Self-centered people eventually demonstrate that self-centeredness, even to extremes at times. The good news is Jesus Christ came, knowing our issues and knowing who we are, And he lived a perfect life. Why? Because of who he is. And he went to a cross to redeem, pay our penalty, so that we could be changed and become new creatures. And once we come to Christ and we're made new, then everything we do is the way it's supposed to be, like loving people would demonstrate, right? Some of you are looking a tad perplexed. We now are in process, having been made new from within, but struggling and striving to overcome the patterns and the problems that we were born with and have lived out for some time. The good news is we're being changed. And what I want to show you this morning is that in the grand scheme of life, Jesus Christ takes his followers— and helps them learn and grow and overcome their deficiencies. What's so unique is that Jesus calls people to a relationship with himself and to purpose, to mission in affecting this world and bringing other people to Christ. And this is a radically different scenario than our world understands. For example, when we have a king and a king has subjects, The subjects serve the king. Jesus calls us to serve, but the serving is for our benefit more than it is for his. Jesus doesn't need us to make lunch for him. He calls us to serve, and in serving, we benefit. We learn, we grow, and we become. As we, like the disciples, walk with Christ, as we relate to others, eventually our deficiencies will be exposed. How many of you are willing to assent with me this morning, I am not perfect? Say it, it, I am not perfect. Turn to the person next to you and say, I look really good, but I am not perfect. interesting. We all want to be seen, but we don't want to be exposed. And say that again. We all want to be seen, but we don't want to be exposed. Turn to someone and say, I see you. I see you. We all want to be. I see you. You're an important person created in the image and likeness of God, and you are significant and of infinite wealth to God. He sees you today. He sees you. When Adam and Eve sinned, did they want to be seen? <laughs> See, that's our that's our tension. We we want to be seen. We don't want to be exposed. The first thing they did when they sinned was what? They hid. Because they didn't they don't want to be exposed either. Let me set some context for you here in Luke chapter 9. Because deficiencies come out in a multiple number of ways. One of the ways our deficiencies, our weaknesses, our issues will be exposed is by the ministry of God's Spirit. God's Spirit, as we go back to the book, as we look into the Word, we see Christ— We learn the truth. We realize, I I don't measure up. And the Spirit of God, His ministry is to help us see Christ in the Word and to see ourselves. That's why back to the book is so critical. Another way our deficiencies come out is through the experiences of life. Just living life. Through the Struggles, the circumstances, the crises, our reactions and our responses speak clearly. I was chatting with our son recently, and he's involved with a family that has just lost their husband and father. And he's seeing how some family dynamics and dysfunction are being exposed. That's what crisis will do. It can magnify those issues. Also, it's through our relationships. You can call them small groups. You can call them together groups. You can call them accountability partners. But as we interact with others, eventually somebody's going to have the courage to say, what? why did you say that? Did you realize the impact of what you said? I noticed this. I wanted to share it with you. Relationships. A marriage. Yep children, parents, as we live together, eventually our deficiencies will come out. Well, if you haven't turned to Luke 9 yet, please do so, but I want to warn you and prepare you for the vivid humanness that we're going to see this morning. I mean, it is pretty raw, if you will. And what's so impressive to me is, unlike My tendency as a parent when a weakness or a deficiency is exposed to say, see, see? Jesus doesn't do that. It's through the experiences and involvement in ministry together that he lets lets them see themselves. Instead of saying, I told you, I told you, I warned you. So gracious, so loving, so sensitive. To set our context, look at Luke chapter 9. The first section, verses 1 through 9, is a practicum, a ministry trip. The disciples were sent out, and what a learning experience it was for them. And that's that's a good way to grow, is by being involved in some kind of ministry. And they learned some faith lessons that would prove to be valuable for them. The next section, you're so familiar with it, Jesus feeds the 5,000. What were they to learn from that? We're kind of limited in our resources, but you know what? Jesus isn't. He took a handful of fish and bread and fed 5,000 people. Don't ever complain to God and say, we lack resources. We can't do this. We don't have enough. God will always accomplish his purposes, and he will provide the resources necessary to do so a great experience for them then in verse 18 and following we have what we call the transfiguration well peter's confession first what an amazing thing peter answers in verse 20 you are the christ the son of the living god and then that's followed by the transfiguration right Here they go up onto this mountain, and they see Moses and Elijah. And and it's very clear, verse 35, a voice came from the cloud and said, this is my son. Listen to him. Can you imagine that experience? To hear the very voice of God and to have God say, this is my son. Listen to him. Not Moses, not Elijah. Jesus is superior over everyone else. Well, the very next day, verse 37, here we go. Follow with me in your outline. The very next day, they came down from the mountain, and a large crowd met them. And this man calls Jesus and says, I beg you to look at my son. I beg you to look at my son. Why did he want Jesus to look at his son? Because... I'm going to skip some. Why did he want Jesus' help? Because he had a son who had an obvious need. Okay? Those of you that are parents will understand, when our children hurt and struggle, we hurt. You've heard the phrase, especially when it comes to disciplining kids, this is going to hurt me more than it. When our kids struggle, it hurts. Here's the situation. This man has a son And he is continually being overcome by a wicked spirit. And it throws him into convulsions and he foams at the mouth and is literally destroying his son. How would you feel? I have a friend who has a 14-year-old son right now who's going blind. They've been to specialists. Within six months, he went from average eyesight to 20% of his vision. He's 14 years old. and They don't have any answers. Now I'm I can see the obvious. This father, right? He's hurting. And there's an obvious need here and he comes to Jesus begging for his help. He had gone to the disciples, and what happened? No help. Wait a minute. The first section in Luke 9, they'd gone on a missions trip, and guess what? They'd healed lots of different people with different issues, and now they can't. They're deficient in their faith. Not the kind of faith that brings us into salvation, but faith or a confidence in Christ. A willingness to recognize that Jesus can do anything and everything. And here this Father comes. And they're going to get the right information eventually. Jesus will explain to them. The other Gospels mention this, that, well, Jesus says, well, this, you know, it's a little different. This needs prayer and fasting and but what I find interesting here is the fact that they, they are amazed when Jesus heals this boy. but they're afraid to ask Jesus, "How come we couldn't do this? How come we couldn't do this? You know it's interesting too here. The Father came to Jesus, the disciples didn't. What are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? Where's their focus? Focus on them, not on Jesus. Didn't they realize in the feeding of the 5,000 that whatever we lack, Jesus doesn't? Apparently not. Apparently not. You know how hard it is for us to verbalize, I can't? You know how hard that is? Well, here's the situation, here's the problem, my kids come, I can't fix it. Well, my car, I can't fix it. I can't do this. You know how hard that is for us? It's really hard, isn't it? Well, the disciples, they're they're unwilling to come to Jesus and fess up. Jesus is very kind. He's very considerate. He doesn't rebuke them, but he wants them to know they're deficient. How's your faith today? I'm not I'm not talking about believing God to move a mountain. I'm talking about the struggle you're having the issues you're having the concerns you have are you willing to go to Jesus and just be honest do you have confidence in him if he parts the water or he doesn't part the water he'll see you through somehow do you have confidence in him or do you have a propensity to trust yourself i i know my propensity we prefer to trust ourselves until it gets so significant that we come to realize, I can't. Here's, please write this down. As long as we think we can, likely, he won't. As long as we think we can, likely, he won't. Why? Because until we learn dependence and trust, That's what we need to learn. That's what we need to learn. Let's look at a second deficiency. Verse 46. A discussion started among the disciples. No. A debate began among the disciples. No. An argument. What's an argument? Anybody here ever had one? Boy, a lot of you are missing out. You never had a good. What's an argument? It's a loving discussion, right? It's a sensitive, gracious interaction, right? Oh no. An argument is usually about what? I'm right, you're wrong. What's this argument about? An argument started among the disciples as to which of them is the greatest. The second deficiency has to do with something so relevant, it's at the very core of our being, and that is our sense of identity. It's who, who we think we are. Now, how do you think they would justify why they think they're the greatest, right? I mean, you don't think you're the greatest baseball player if your batting average is 160 right? You, you give support for your argument about who you are by what you have done. So let's just imagine what this discussion and this argument may have sounded like. By the way, don't forget, some of them had just been on the Mount of Transfiguration, and God made it clear between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, who is the greatest? Jesus, okay? Now, they're having an argument. What would be the basis for any of them advocating, I am greater, I am better than you? Well, let's just use our imagination. I can imagine Andrew saying, you know, on our missions trip, I recruited the largest choir that's ever, ever, for any missions trip for Jesus ever, I recruited the largest choir, and they were really good. I think I'm the greatest. Peter says, well, you know, your choir was only to set up my message. And I preached to the largest crowds of any of you. I mean, my oratory skills, I mean, you've got to admit John says, "Well, I you know, I just loved on more people and and I showed how much I cared for them." Judas says, "Well, I I raised the largest offering." And we all know where money fits in the hierarchy. And Thomas says, "I doubt those numbers are accurate." And unless I see the financial statements audited, I will not believe. Can you imagine their argument? Verse 43, go back, because Jesus talked to them about, sorry, verse 41, unbelieving and what? Perverse. Who's he talking to here? The big crowds? No, 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 no talking to his disciples. Unbelieving, lack of faith, and what? Perverse. What does that word mean? Let me tell you what the word means. It means something is supposed to go like this, and you turn it upside down like this. Who's the greatest? Not a trick question. Who's the greatest? Jesus. And what do they do? They want to argue about which of them is the greatest. You see the deficiency? Their sense of identity. Anyone who begins to tell you how great they are, generally speaking, has an identity issue. This comes out in so many ways. We strive to establish our superiority. It's just sad, isn't it? And then we have trouble dealing with differences. Look at this. This is verse 49. Master says, John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. By the way, the man who came with his son had a problem with a wicked spirit, a demon, right? Now they see somebody else actually doing it, and what is their issue? he's not like us. He's different. Really? How do we deal with people who are different? We tried to stop him. Why would you want to stop him? Because he's different. What would be your end game in this? He should be like one of us. Otherwise, we don't want to have anything to do with him. Boy, that's a mature view, isn't it? How many of you have ever met or interacted with someone who's different? Gee, when in life did you learn that? People are different. They do things in different ways. It's a good thing differences doesn't creep into the church. Oh, it has? Yeah. Because differences comes packaged with people. I see you. You're different. I see you. You're different. You struggle with identity? Yep, we all do. Just, Just say yes. Yeah, by the way, I'm sad to admit that our culture, our culture facilitates the struggle. I, I don't intend, because I know none of you here um, would be involved in this with any ulterior motives whatsoever, none whatsoever, but our culture facilitates this uh, identity thing by something I've heard about called Facebook. And I don't don't know if any of you managed to check this morning to see what I had for breakfast. Look at me. Look at me. Look where I've been. Look what I think. Look what I did. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. How often do you see things on Facebook that look like this? I failed. I messed up. I told a lie. I stole something. You don't see those postings, right? Why? We all want to be seen. We don't want to be exposed. Look how great I am. Look how great I am. Look who I got to meet. Look where I got to go. Look how many followers and friends I have. Real deep, intimate friends. 4,449 deep, intimate friends. Please write this down. Maturity is the key to coping with differences. Maturity is the key. Third one, verse 51, they are on their way to Jerusalem and they go through Samaria. And the people there did not welcome Jesus. Why didn't they welcome Jesus? Because Jesus isn't Samaritan. He's Jewish, and the Samaritans and Jews don't like each other. So because they didn't welcome him, verse 54, James and John saw this, and they said, Lord, we got an idea. How about we deal with this for you? And our idea is, would you like us to call down fire from heaven and just destroy these people. Oh, man, they got faith now. Had they ever called down fire from heaven? Nope. But they're willing to give it a shot now. What? I admire their passion, but not their level of compassion. They didn't have enough faith to heal the boy with the evil spirit, but boy, they're quick to say, I got enough faith for this. Where's the compassion? By the way, why did Jesus come to this earth? Luke tells us he came to seek and to save. Did he come to destroy? No. Shows me a total loss of perspective. Total loss of perspective. What happens, what is the benefit of destroying someone? What is the benefit of that? Or does it simply go back to their identity issues? Let's kill them. Let's kill them. Perspective. Please write this down. Good question to ask that'll help you with perspective. On a scale of 1 to 10, over the years I've had people come to me for help. Okay, so here's a married couple, and they come in, and before they get started, because sometimes I've heard both sides, and I wonder if they lived in the same house. The perspectives were so different. I'll say, think about this for a minute. On a scale of 1 to 10, how serious is this issue? And if one of them says a 9.5, and the other one says maybe a 2, somebody's got a distorted view next time you have conflict with somebody, stop and ask yourself first, on a scale of 1 to 10, how serious is this? Is somebody's life in jeopardy? Am I going to be five minutes late? And then ask the other person on a scale of 1 to 10. It helps bring perspective. Do you need perspective today? Most days, (laughs) yes, we do, right? Yes, we do. We also need to see that they had a loss of purpose. Jesus didn't come to kill and destroy. He came to seek and to save. And this is the one time in this environment and these episodes where Jesus, verse 55, rebukes them. Like, enough already. Now, I would have rebuked them when they had the argument about which of them was the greatest. Like, I'd let them have it. He didn't then, but he does now. And he rebukes them. You know what a rebuke is? It's being told, that's it, done, stop. How's your focus today? Is it possible for a church to lose focus? Yes. 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 In fact, we probably need to recalibrate on a regular basis and remind ourselves that Jesus is the greatest and he wants me to become more and more like him by doing the things he's called us to do and not worrying so much about other people and not striving to establish our own identity. Remember what John said? John said he must increase and I must now there's perspective you know what would be a good thing is to put into our regular pattern of life a time to recalibrate and renew our perspective how about every seventh day would that be too often probably not because you know how quickly we get things out of perspective at the drop of a hat. Well, why did that hat drop? You should have put it in a better place. Yeah, we we in the church can allow differences and identity issues to create turmoil at any given moment over any given issue. That's why we strive for maturity and becoming. Well, I told you this wasn't going to be fun because once we see how real this is, it can be rather overwhelming. I would have asked for a draft to take these 12 and trade them for a new group because they are a bit of work, are they not? Are they not perverse? Yep. Did Jesus trade them in? Nope, what did he do? He loved them. He cared for them. He was patient with them. He allowed their issues to be exposed. But he loved them in spite of and there was no plan B. But here's the good news. Jesus can change guys like that. And we're not that bad, are we? Are we? Yeah, probably. But if he can change them, he can change me. He can change me. Let's pray together. Father, we want to affirm your love today. We don't feel overly deserving at times, but we don't earn your love. And that's, supposed to be freeing for us. And while we're pondering these things, I ask myself, I ask each of us today, how's our faith? Do we have confidence in Christ today? Whatever we're facing, whatever the issues, whatever the struggle, do we have confidence that he loves us and knows best? And we can come to you and ask our questions and be honest about what we're dealing with. So many of us struggle with our identity. It's just so human. We want to assert ourselves. We either give in to superiority or inferiority. Neither is healthy. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that when it comes to our identity, our identity needs to be found in you and in you alone, knowing who we are in Christ. And Father, for those of us who are lacking some compassion with a, a family member, a friend, someone in need. Help us not to be judgmental or critical, but to be compassionate, to keep things in perspective and maintain a sense of your purposes and not our own. Thank you that we can become the persons you want us to be, that in partnering with you in this journey, ultimately, it's for our good. It's for our good. But help us to humble ourselves and overcome some of these deficiencies by the power and help of your Spirit, we pray in Christ's name.